Welcome to our Changing the Narrative podcast, where we have thought-provoking conversations about housing, homelessness, and community with local and national experts. I am Anne Miske, President and CEO of Union Station Homeless Services. Today's episode is entitled, The Top 5 Lies About Homelessness. It seems like every day I hear people making wild statements about those experiencing homelessness. While many of us are aware that these comments are unfounded, we often lack the knowledge on how to respond effectively. In this episode, we will hear what people are saying and directly address these misperceptions and present the facts to set the record straight. Homelessness started after the mental institutions got shut down and you pushed all the crazy people onto the streets. This is a very, very common belief. In fact, I used to believe this very thing. I heard about the mental institutions shutting down and, oh my goodness, now we have these people who really need to be back inside in an institution. Well, then I started reading more about the history and discovered that most mental institutions were completely closed by the late 1960s. There were only a small handful that were still in existence in the 1970s. But homelessness as we see it today didn't start until over a decade decade after most of these had been closed down. So there wasn't this emptying of the institutions on the street. So if that isn't the case, why do we see people who seem to have mental illnesses when they are unhoused? Well, there are a couple of things that I think it's important to note. One, there are no more mentally ill people living on our streets than there are in houses. It's just when you are housed, you have access to support and medication, and you can control symptoms of mental illness just like you can physical illness. But when you don't have access to those things and you do have a severe mental illness on the street, it may become more noticeable. But the other thing to recognize is there's actually a very small percentage of people with truly severe mental health issues living on our street. But what we do see is that 100% of these people experience trauma. Living on our streets is a terrifying experience, and your brain goes into constant fight or flight mode. This is a survival instinct. If you're experiencing it 24 hours a day, that also will affect how you may appear to other people. It can mimic severe mental illness, when in fact, the solution to that is for people not to experience trauma, but in fact, be inside, be housed, have support, and move away from that fight or flight into a sense of safety and community. Most people don't need institutions. In fact, the vast majority of people on the street do not need mental institutions. What they need is housing, and they need support, and they need to be welcomed into our community. And then they're just going to look like Molly down the street or Bill across the street. They'll be your neighbor. The streets and parks, they're littered with needles and drug paraphernalia. It's because I know everyone who's homeless is an addict. What can we do about it? We know that substance use addiction is a serious problem, but it exists all throughout our society. In fact, there are many more people living in housing suffering from substance abuse issues than there are on the streets. The fact is, however, yes, there are people on our streets who do take drugs. 
An interesting fact that many people may not know is that more people become addicts after becoming homeless than before. Life on the streets is brutal, and some people turn to substance use to help with the trauma, the pain, the fear of living on the streets. Others can no longer access prescription medication, so they end up using, again, illegal substances or street drugs, and it can create addiction for people. It absolutely is true. But again, the rates of people on the street suffering from addiction is now higher than it is for people in housing. You just see it more. What we do know is that, again, with stability and housing, even people who have substance abuse issues will do so much better and be much more successful in dealing with these addictions than if we leave them on the streets. My local church already provides a lot of help to those in need. But there are those who just want to be homeless. You can't help people that don't want to be helped. We hear this a lot from people, that those living on the street want to be homeless, that somehow they don't want to follow the rules or do what other people do and live in housing. Well, I'd like to quote my good friend, Sean. Sean himself experienced homelessness and then worked as an outreach worker. He's been working in the field for about 20 years. And he said to me once, in all the years I've been doing this, or even when I was homeless, I have never met anyone who wanted to be homeless. The fact of the matter is no one wants to live in an underpass or a tent beside the highway behind a garbage dump in a shopping mall parking lot. People want their own homes. So why do we hear about people resisting? Well, I would say there's a couple of reasons. One, the hoops in the bureaucracy that people have to go through just to get services into housing is incredible. And it can be almost impossible for people when you're trying to survive every day and you're being moved from place to place and your documents are being swept up that you've spent the last six months trying to collect and suddenly sanitation comes and puts them in the garbage dump and people just lose hope. They don't believe it anymore. So you come up to them and offer them something and they go, yeah, no, I don't want to have to go through that again and just be disappointed one more time. And then the other reason, and this is so sad and so true here in Los Angeles County, is people aren't resisting. They are waiting for the resources to be available. We may have heard a year or so ago about some encampment clearings where people were taken out of a park and promised they would be given housing, and none of those promises came true. Those people ended up getting moved, their possessions thrown away, and they were again back in the same place because there was no housing for them. So we can go up to someone and say, hey, we want to help you, but we don't really have anything to offer you. Why should they even bother? The fact of the matter is when you can truly offer people a solution, when you say we have a place you can move into now, they will accept it because everybody wants a bed and a bathroom and the ability to feel safe to lock their door in a place of their own. Nobody is resisting housing. They're resisting the hoops, the bureaucracy, and the disappointment that they have experienced for years. We sometimes hear people say, no, no, I'm choosing this. And I'm, I shouldn't say that there's nobody in the world that may choose that. I suppose people 
choose all sorts of things that we kind of would scratch our heads at. We know, though, that that's got to be such a small percentage. It's almost it would be hard to count. And in those cases, usually what's happened is they've chosen that as an alternative to something that may be worse. So we know, for example, people will flee a domestic violence situation because they're terrified. So for them, the choice is to feel safer in a tent somewhere than in their own home. We see a lot of youth, especially LGBTQ plus youth, who have been rejected by their families, by their parents. So they will choose to leave. It's not that they've choose, again, to live in an underpass. It's just that they would rather that than a not-so-good alternative. Another house got robbed by a homeless guy. Unbelievable. This is why we need to lock those criminals up. There is a common perception out there that being homeless equates to being a criminal. And we know this is just not the case. In fact, those experiencing homelessness are 10 times more likely to be the victims of a crime than they are to be a criminal. And the crimes that are committed by people living on our streets tend to be what we call survival crimes. In other words, it may be theft because they want to have something to eat that evening, or they need new clothing, or maybe they are trespassing because they've been hounded from community to community and have no place to go and they finally go into a place that they're not supposed to be and so they get arrested for trespassing. These are the most common types of crime that people experiencing homelessness commit. Now, it is true, and we do hear in the news, that there are other crimes. But I think it's important for people to realize that people experiencing homelessness are human beings. And there are human beings who live in houses in our communities who are law-abiding citizens. Most of them are. And then there are those in the housing who are criminals. Well, human beings are the same whether they're on the street or in housing. There will be some that may commit crimes. But again, the rate is much lower in terms of committing crimes than being a victim of crime when you're on the street. And one other thing that always irritates me is every time I see a news article and something has happened, it's always homeless man commits crime. You know, a homeless person steals something. I'd like us all to put housed in front of every crime that's committed and see if we start having the same view of housed people being criminals as we do of the unhoused. We all know the reason we have so many unsheltered people is because they come here to take advantage of our weather and services. You know, I used to travel nationally, in fact, internationally, working on the issue of homelessness. I worked in communities all across this country, from Washington State to Florida, from California to New England. And in every community that I worked with, I would hear the same thing. Homeless people come to our community. They're from somewhere else, and they come here because of it's either the weather or because it's beautiful or because we have services here. You know, if you build services, they will come. So everybody thinks this is the case. And we hear this all the time here in California. It's our weather that attracts people. The fact is there is absolutely no evidence that shows this is the case. In fact, there is a lot of evidence that shows it's just the opposite. People, when they lose their housing, when they become homeless, stay as close as they can to their own communities, the communities where they grew up, 
went to school. Maybe they still have family. They still have friends. Their doctor may be here. Other services. They don't want to go to a brand new community where they know nobody. They don't know how to access services. They don't know where they can go to be safe or to get a meal. People stay in their own communities. When we hear people say, oh, everybody's coming here. They're not our people. They're not people in our community. It's just another way of saying we don't think we should help those people because they're not ours. The fact is people experiencing homelessness here in Los Angeles County County are from Los Angeles County. They are our neighbors, whether sheltered or unsheltered. I work hard to support myself and my family. It isn't fair that the government gives out free rent to homeless people. They don't work. They don't deserve it. This is a statement that we hear quite often, and there are a few things in this that I'd like to address. One, the government doesn't give free rent to homeless people. When we get people into housing, they have to pay rent. They sign a lease just like anybody else does moving into an apartment, and they pay 30% of their income on their rent. And 30% is considered the national standard, what all of us should be paying for our housing. Now, here in California, it's probably more than 30%, but that is considered the national standard. So they do pay. But the other thing we have to recognize is that a lot of the people experiencing homelessness are people with some kind of a disability that maybe they don't have the option to work full time. They're never going to be able to afford housing here. Or even if they did work full time, and many of the people that we know who experience homelessness are actually working and some are working two or three jobs. But if they don't have a livable wage job in California, in Los Angeles County, you can't afford housing. So really what we're saying is that housing is a human right. Everyone should have access to a safe home. And yes, it is the role of government to ensure that all people have what they need to survive. And then if you're looking at it from purely an economic perspective, leaving people on the streets costs way more in taxpayer dollars than providing people with housing and services. It can cost literally millions of dollars to leave someone languishing on the streets, whereas the cost of housing someone permanently is a fraction of that cost. So both economically and from a humanitarian perspective, it is better to get people into homes, have them become stable. Again, they pay rent, they pay for their food, but at least they're part of our community in the house next door. You know, there's just one more thing that I would like to throw in here, and maybe it's a tip for people, because this is a question that comes up a lot. Should you give money to a person who's on the street, someone who most likely is homeless, or should you not? You know, I personally struggled for a long time with whether I should be giving money to people on the street or not. And here I'm someone who works in homeless services. And I once had someone give me some advice, which I have always taken. And that advice was, if you feel like you want to give, give. And the fact is that you don't know what they're going to do with that money. Maybe they go out and buy drugs, but more likely they'll go out and buy themselves a meal or some new socks. But the fact is, give 
if your heart says give. If you choose not to give, that is fine too. You may choose to give to an agency that supports people experiencing homelessness or give to a cause that's important to you. That's fine. But one thing I will say is if you see someone on the streets or someone comes up and asks for money, even if you choose not to, what you can do is say hello. Offer them a piece of humanity and the fact that you see them and acknowledge them as a human being. That is something all of us can give. And that is something that is incredibly healing for people because none of us want to be invisible. If you want to learn more about the realities of being unhoused and the work we do every day to help end homelessness, you can log into our website at unionstationhs.org. Again, that is unionstationhs, as in homelessservices.org. Together, we can be the solution we want to see in our communities. Thank you for joining us and listening to this episode. I encourage you to subscribe and listen to all our episodes and help us change the narrative about homelessness in our neighborhoods. This podcast is produced by Brenda Lynch and Katie Cookerly-Dietrich, edited by Jesse Lumen, with production assistance and music by Colin Feldman. Special thanks to our Union Station Homeless Services Lived Expertise Advisory Panel, or LEAP, for their insights.